I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here. We have uh, Tony Maritato back on the podcast for the second time, and he's a physical therapist, a practice owner of two locations, Total Therapy Solutions in Ohio. He does a lot more. If you guys know him online, he's got a ton of uh, helpful resources. He helps uh, physical therapists learn about Medicare billing and documentation. He's got courses. He's publicly growing his YouTube following, his many different websites, digital assets, really cool stuff. But I saw one of his YouTube channels in the past couple of months, one of his YouTube videos on his Medicare, Learn Medicare billing channel. And it was kind of breaking down the financials of a publicly listed, anonymous, but publicly listed physical therapy practice on bizbuysell.com. So today we're going to break that down. We're going to look and say, hey, should I buy this? Should Tony buy this? Should we buy this? Should should hypothetically you buy this? So that's what we're going to do. Tony, first of all, before we jump into it, what's going on? How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. The kids are starting school tomorrow, so we're winding summer down. There we go. Sounds good. And so you have some time. You're super, super busy. So we'll get right into this. Maybe if you'd like, I can, I'll read a little bit of the headline and some of the financials here. And then if you or I will kind of break down, we didn't even plan much of this really. So we're going to just read through the description. We're going to read through this anonymous practice that is basically on this broker website. We're going to go into it. We'll break it down and we'll kind of give like our thoughts. I will preface this by saying that we have not done the, we have not contacted the broker through this website. We don't know who this practice is. Chances are we'll probably be nit- nitpicking on more of the negative side just because it's on a broker's website and, and we it's easy to kind of just do this from a 30,000 foot view without knowing the financials, without knowing the past patient list, all these other things, right? Like their online exposure. What else, Tony? Well, I, I think one of the reasons why I like doing this kind of thing is because this gives me a chance to compare where my practice is relative to other practices out there. So I've done public videos of me going through U.S. physical therapies, annual reports, because they share their numbers. They're a public company. I go into biz buy sell. I take a look at what's going on in the marketplace here. And I think just like we do in the clinic as a therapist, like we want benchmarks. We want to know if we're achieving progress, if we're moving toward the goal. This is a great way to do that. So it's not so much that we're telling you guys, the viewers, like, buy this or don't buy this, but we're saying, hey, this is an amazing opportunity for you guys to see behind the curtain for existing practices and different business models. I love going to the site, not just to see what PTs are doing, but to see what other businesses are out there that I might be able to either acquire and implement or acquire and leverage my skill set against. So let's just get into it. Love it. All right. So right now in August of 2022, this is listed publicly. NYC, so New York City, physical therapy and medical practice. So internal medicine and more. It's in Rego Park, New York. And that's in Queens. If you don't know, Queens is one of the five boroughs in New York City. So it is actually in New York City. It's not in New York, New York, but it's very close to New York, uh, New York City, Manhattan. 
First thing here, this green label, seller financing available. So if you guys don't know, that basically means that the owner is willing to take a note into the future where you're making monthly payments to that owner. Sometimes it could be 20, 30% of the total asking price. In some cases, it could literally be 80, 90, or 100% of the total asking price. That really depends on the financials and the strength of of any business, of the practice, uh, but whatever type of business it's in. So that is seller finance. It is saying seller finance is available. What that kind of says to me, I'd love to hear what Tony thinks, but yeah. what that kind of what that kind of says to me is like they're looking to get out. We're going to get into the reasons why they list why they're selling and, and and all that, but they're looking to get out. They're not looking to sell for quote unquote top dollar. They're not looking for 100% cash at close. If you as an owner do that, if you're looking for 100% cash at close, you're going to get a lower total dollar amount just like if you were going to sell a house and you wanted 100% cash at close from someone to pull up with a big check, you're going to probably have to wait for a while for that special person to come along or someone comes along and they can get it financed or whatever. So what, what do you think when you first see that, Tony? I mean, not all of these listings show seller financing available. Yeah, you know, I kind of look at it as a red flag, truthfully, because I know that I am in the process right now of trying to sell some real estate. I am not interested in seller financing the real estate. I know it's a prime piece of real estate. I know I can get a premium for it, but there's no advantage to me, seller, to hold that mortgage. I could use that money for something else. The interest rates are still too low for me to really consider that an asset. So for me, a little different than what you're perceiving, when I see seller financing, I'm either thinking they're asking higher than fair market value. And the only way that that price is going to be, you know, utilized as if they're holding the note because the bank's not going to finance it. Right. Or they're just desperate. They they just don't have the profitability, they don't have the income and they're trying any way they can to get this practice sold because that's a huge liability that they're willing to assume. I mean, what are you really buying? You're buying a patient list, you're buying a referral base, you're buying you're not buying capital assets like equipment that you could resell. So if I bought this on seller financing, and then I ran it into the ground, and you know, a year into it, I'm bankrupt. They lose everything. I think that's a lot of risk to me. That's a red flag. That's not necessarily a sign of that I would want to move forward with. I hear you. Asking price two point seven million. It's showing here cash flow of just under a million nine hundred and ninety eight thousand. Gross revenue is 1.5 million inventory 75 grand as a PT and a medical office. I don't know, medical supplies, I guess, as inventory. I'm not sure what would be inventory. Many of these listings do list an EBITDA or an adjusted EBITDA. There is, it says non-applicable. So the EBITDA earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization is not listed here. This practice was founded in 1999. The FF and E, which is the furniture, fixtures, and equipment is 250 grand. I believe, because I know Tony well, and I've heard his other videos, he's going to say that's overblown. And that's probably way, way too much. Um, And obviously, some of these sites, the dollar amounts will be inflated for many different reasons. So a little bit of the description, there's this fully staffed, it says 10 to 12 employees. This is, again, internal medicine and physical therapy, highlighting physical medicine and rehabilitation in conjunction with traditional internal medicine. There's two locations. There's an option to purchase real estate at one of the locations for an additional cost. Obviously, that would be a separate cost, whatever current fair market property value is as it's listed, or can be easily rented. So right now we're doing acquisitions. We are not looking to be the landlord. We're not looking to buy real estate. It's It requires way more capital. And also we're in New York City. So 
real estate is way more expensive. So the real estate here in Queens will certainly be expensive. It lists here, business able to be run run absentee with current staff of nurse practitioners and physical therapists. Absentee meaning you could potentially, I guess, be out of state or just not be there day to day. All business is currently word of mouth. Referrals, workers, current owner is ready to retire and has been recently starting to work part-time. The owner states that the practice can easily be expanded and grown aggressively under new ownership, which is what every seller is typically going to say. Location, Rego Park, New York, and Queens. Uh, again, 12 employees. What else? What else? Uh, rent, 5K a month. It renews February 2023. Utilities. The spacing, 1,650 square feet. Three exam rooms, physical therapy room, waiting area, front desk, etc. Pretty standard. There's first floor, two-story building, 10 exam rooms, et cetera, et cetera. We can probably come back to this if we need to. Competition, they list here, expansion and growth. All of these sites are always going to say, oh, if you do X, Y, Z in online marketing, you could double it. You could make it bigger. You know, That is pretty much it. So let's circle back. Tony, what do you think? You know, the things that always concern me is I would have to, if I'm sitting here as a buyer, prospective buyer, I want to know where is my competitive advantage in buying? So like, where are the deficiencies? What can I bring into it? You know, 10 to 12 employees. That's frightening to me. Unless I'm buying this to actively acquire those employees, their culture probably isn't going to fit my culture. I'm probably not going to want to keep those employees on staff. There's a major, major concern when I didn't hire the person. It's not my team. They don't look at me as, you know, the head of the ship, but rather they're worried, they're anxious, rightfully so. So from my perspective, I go back to, I don't know that I want to keep the staff on board. If this could be run as an app, absentee owner, why isn't the owner running it as an absentee practice? Right. Yeah. That's, that's good. The point. cash flow. I mean, they're claiming the cash flow is there. Technically, you would recover full investment in two and a half to almost three years. It's just obviously that's an asking price. It's not the deal being closed. But the other part that I want to remind people of is looking at the lease. If you scroll down just a little bit, the lease on one of the locations expires February 2023. Now, when we sold one of our clinic locations, probably one of the most valuable components was maintaining the space because there had been so many years of history of patients going to that space. And so knowing that I could be kicked out in you know a relatively short period of time for this kind of investment, I would be looking at, and when you look at acquisitions done by like, if a um, CVS or Walgreens or a Starbucks or somebody else wants to come into an area, they're looking for a 99-year lease. They're looking for you know long-term leases at, at minimum 10 years. Any large yep. business is not going to come in looking at a short-term lease that's going to expire in a year or two because there's just too much vulnerability, even at the $5,000 a month price point. So maybe the landlord doesn't kick us out, but the landlord raises or doubles the rent. There's lots of issues that are coming up with this kind of thing. So what's jumping out at you, Dave? So really quick, you kind of touched on it. Basically, the cash flow. So typically, we're going to look at EBITDA and then... We could guesstimate, we could say, okay, if this is the adjusted EBITDA for a, a practice this size, if we say a 3x multiplier, a 3x multiple on EBITDA, EBITDA is not listed here. So we're kind of doing, you kind of did the like multiple pretty much three or just under three times cash flow. So 998,000 
is free cash flow times three. The asking price is right below that. So it is kind of in the realm, at least there. I mean, obviously you'd have to dig way more into the numbers and look at, you know, just so many other things as we'll, we'll touch on, but at least they're, they're kind of, if this is true cash flow, which again, when due diligence is, is started and, you know, you, we're looking at their tax returns, we're comparing them. We're looking at the last three years of tax returns. Obviously, we're going to focus more on the trailing 12 months, the most previous 12 months. Then we'll also look at the financials, the profit and loss statement, the income statement, and the balance sheet for the last three years, but also focus mostly on the, the last 12 months, the trailing 12 months, making sure that all these numbers fit together, like whatever they declared to the IRS, like it actually should match up within five or 10% or, or ideally completely match up to their financials and their income statements and, and all of that. So then we can make a list of what are the addbacks. We could measure some amount of adjusted EBITDA and then confirm if this cash flow is true. And then if this cash flow is true at 998000 with a multiple of three with the two locations, that is actually in the realm of like a workable deal in terms of the going market rate. There's two locations. It's not in Manhattan. It's not in New York, New York, but it is in New York City. It's in Queens. Out there, there's a lot more parking. So offices could be accessible with driving and parking. It depends on the past patient list. Obviously, it depends on, like you said, their staff. I would be looking at, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I would when I get the information from the broker here and we look at their financials, at the same time, we're looking at, I'm looking through their Google reviews, their Yelp reviews. I'm seeing which therapist names are actually listed, like mentioned in the Google reviews and the Yelp reviews. I want to, I want to learn as much about their culture from a, a public sig- signaling standpoint. So much so like whatever I can learn before even going in there, before even, you know, potentially meeting staff or, or whatever, or, or meeting the owner or whatever. So I want to make sure it would be worth our time. But if we're doing a three times, or whatever it is, 2.7, 2.8 multiply the multiplier on cash flow. It's actually in the realm of like going market rate right now for two locations. So let me ask you this now. Looking at it, let's say everything checks out. You go through everything. We acknowledge the threats. We acknowledge the weaknesses. What are the opportunities? So what would you look at this and say, what could I add? Where can I increase efficiencies? Where can I bring value to the structure that they already have. Because for me, I would effectively be saying, okay, could I build this out? Maybe there's some, there's a moat around the location. I came from New York. I don't remember the the areas all that well, but it's like, what if they have a prime location in their neighborhood and there really is no real estate and I can't just open a competitive clinic next door. You know, one of the things that I always say is if I found where this was, what would stop me from opening a competitive clinic next door? Because I know this guy wants to get out. I know that if I bring in competition, all I have to do is last long enough. They close down and then I capture their their market base plus my own. So there's that. But then also I'm just thinking about services. You know, How can I monetize their patient list? What value ads can I bring to it? What if I introduce telehealth? What if I focus on mobile therapy in the neighborhood? Do I have access to clinicians in the area that are looking to work? What are you thinking? So under the growth and expansion, they list all business currently word of mouth, referrals, and workers comp, and could advertise to bring in more business. So for me, 
I would be one positive, one thing where I would say, okay, we could absolutely do this would be the way that I grew concierge pain relief, my home therapy practice, which was completely built off of Google ads. It sounds ridiculous, but word of mouth just takes too long. Word of mouth is great. I mean, we're thankful. We, we write thank you notes. We send them in the mail to previous patients when they refer some friend or colleague or whatever. We love word of mouth. We're thankful for that. You can't rely on it. It's not predictable. And so I would immediately look at if there was enough capacity. I mean, we would be looking at all that. We would be looking at even before Google ads or Facebook ads, which eventually we would probably get to and just dial it up if there was capacity. But even before that, we'd have to look into the medical records. So we would look at not changing anything like drastically, but we would be looking at and measuring their billing and their collections and their revenue cycle management. The reason why I mentioned that is because one of the practices that we have previously looked at, we use a, we use a, an external billing service, which I might have them come on the podcast sometime soon. And we paid them for an independent audit of one of the practices that we had under due diligence. And they, said, you know, they made a report, they went through the, with the owner's permission, they signed an NDA, all that. Uh, the owner uh, allowed them into the medical record, all of that. And then so this independent billing team found that there was, there was something like $91,000 annually that was being left on the table because the practice owner and billing team, they were getting claim denials and then resubmitting them without changing any of the coding, billing, et cetera, which I know, Tony, like, these things happen. I know it sounds crazy. So we would be looking at that. We would be looking at, so the billing side, the documentation, health documentation, all that. But in terms of the growth and expansion, the marketing, if there was capacity, if there were, you know, looking at the productivity of the therapist, like, do they have big gaps in their schedule? Do they, do they have a 20% cancel no-show rate, whatever? So that would need to be cleaned up with the Jerry Durham stuff, the front desk, the conversations, the the communicating, the reminders, text, email, et cetera, training the whole staff, right? Like getting them on board with like, you're presenting and, and, you know, kind of selling a plan of care for somebody that has back pain or whatever. And they're not just coming in for just one visit. Like they're, they probably need eight visits or 10 or whatever. So those are all the things so far. Like we don't really, you can't understand all that with just like this broker listing. But when they say here, like, could advertise to bring in more business. So for me, it's Google ads, possibly Facebook ads. It might be something that, that I currently do not do, which is like ZocDoc, which is like the online scheduling and you, you know, people can see their insurance and just select times and, and schedule via that portal. So that's something that we might be, you know, testing, but it would be Google reviews and just more of an online presence would be most likely needed for a practice that was established in 95 and it's an internal medicine and physical therapy practice. So I will assume that the practice owner is probably a physician and they don't do online marketing. They probably thought that was, you know, too techy or too salesy or, or whatever. So I just threw a lot at you, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I love that you're showing that is your competitive advantage. You know, the fact that you understand Google ads, you understand how to leverage that connection, how to meet people where they're actively searching to become a customer, a client today rather than waiting till somebody's Aunt Nancy gets hurt, you know? And so like when I look at this, my advantage, like you said, if it was established in 1995, we're talking yeah. about decades of history here. You know, what is going on with those accounts receivable? How many of those accounts receivable have just kind of 
died in a bucket somewhere that could be revived. I don't know how you do it. I know when we did the transfer of our clinic during the sale, we took all of the accounts receivable and continued to work those. Then the next day when the clinic was no longer ours, the new owners started accumulating their accounts receivable. So we didn't sell the accounts receivable with the practice. That was money that we kept because we collect everything. We have an incredibly efficient operation when it comes to billing and collections. So like for me, maybe the technology, maybe the Facebook and Google ads aren't my thing, but coming in, you know, they started with paper claims. Like they weren't doing electronic billing and who knows where they are today. I can almost guarantee I can bring in operational efficiencies in the billing side that are going to bring a good chunk of pure profit with no added costs. So those would be some of the things that I would be looking at. But in particular, like I said, I would be looking at this. And I like to say, and we're therapists, what's a worst case scenario? You know, if I spend, let's say they're asking prices 2.7, maybe we get it for 2.5 to 2.2. I'm going to invest, you know, 270,000. Maybe I do an SBA loan. I put 10% down. However, the finances work, but it's like, what is the absolute worst case scenario? What is my monthly payment going to be? Even if I had to fire all the staff, even if I had to completely destroy the existing business model, is the patient database large enough, active enough, you know, current enough that I would effectively be able to use that to jumpstart whatever business I wanted to build on top of it? Now, that's worst I, I, case I bet it, I bet it would be. I bet yeah. it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as long as there was some place where they kept patient names, addresses, phone numbers. Right. You could do you could do ringless voicemails, which some people might not like. You could send them mailers, like physical paper mailers, to reactivate them, let them know that you have a new service. Hey, now we do cupping, now we do compression boots, uh, now we do health and wellness memberships. What you know, whatever the dollar amount is, or hey, now we you know now we accept this new insurance, or now we whatever whatever it is, a new program, Parkinson's boxing program, whatever it might be, you could reactivate this list again. It is we would have to know. I would I would absolutely ask this owner, hey, do you have a spreadsheet, an Excel sheet, of some spreadsheet or something where there's most of these previous patients listed with their you know. HIPAA compliant, et cetera, but name and address or name, address, phone number, et cetera. And if that's all in like paper folders, then I would be more, you know, cynical about it. But if they were all in, you know, a spreadsheet that, you know, you could use a mail shop to send out mailers, you could, you could export it or, or you could import it into MailChimp or, you know, active campaign or some email component or do marketing or you hire interns and, you know, have them manually send out emails or, or, you know, letters to past patients to, to reactivate them. I think you could absolutely do that. It just depends on where that list is. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think we covered the positives. I think we covered the negatives. I think we looked at the risks and potential rewards of something like this. You know, now we didn't get a chance to discuss this on the last time you and I connected, but I, I was, I have said, and I've been quoted saying, 
for a therapist who's never owned a business before. I don't think acquiring an existing business is the right way to go, even if it's a successful physical therapy clinic. And the reason is simply because they haven't developed the skills to run a business. You know, I, I genuinely believe that either you create a business from scratch, you develop the skills, you take your lumps, you make your mistakes, and then you acquire a business. And it doesn't even have to be a, a related industry business. Like if you knew, I was just talking to somebody who had been in a business not involved in healthcare, but the fact that they understood what it was to run a business, to hire a person, to fire a person, to manage payroll and utilities and all that stuff, that is an appropriate person to consider buying an existing physical therapy practice or some other business. But somebody who's only ever worked for an employer and has never had those responsibilities, I don't think that is the best option for you to succeed. Unless they were clever and they reached out to someone like you, Tony, and said, hey, Tony, I'm looking at this deal. I want to pitch you something. I would like to offer you... First of all, I'm not looking for any money at all, Tony. I'm looking to pitch you, Tony, if they were going to buy this practice, let's just say. I would like to pitch you 3% free founder's equity in this practice. As long as I, as long as, you know, we build rapport, assuming that person knows you or you know them and that they're not going to hurt your reputation. They're not going to do anything that would, you know, mess up what you're doing online or anything. But in exchange for the 3%, they get to pick your brain. They get to, you know, have you kind of as a pseudo either this could be local just in Ohio or it could be remote where you're kind of like an owner. You're like a co-owner of a practice like this but they get to pick your brain and they get to actually leverage your track record, your experience and say, Hey, you know, one, two, three, five, whatever percent they offer you, but you don't invest any dollars because you're investing your brain and your experience. And right. maybe a little, maybe a little bit of your reputation. Cause that's certainly important to you and, and many others, of course. So that could be something. And I hope people don't, you know, hit up Tony like crazy, make sure, you know, like Tony's going to weed out who would be really serious about this, but I'm just saying, you're right. I would agree that most therapists, they should probably not acquire something like this unless they had a business in the past. I would agree. Unless they had some industry experts or other people, and maybe they would have to say to you, Tony, okay, Tony, I already have, you know, uh, Jerry Durham, or I already have, you know, so, someone else for 2%, and I'm looking to get you on for 2%. No investment at all, just your brain power for one hour a week on a Zoom or something like that. You know, I just found a brand new YouTube channel this week. The YouTuber is Cody Sanchez. It's a female yes. entrepreneur. Yep. I I, I, so I know. I've been following her. Yep. One of the things that she shared was that she paid another business owner $10,000 to spend two dedicated weeks with that business owner to learn and understand logistics and the back, back operational systems of a business in the same industry, but not the business you wanted to buy. And so it was non-competitive. It was in a completely different geography. But like, again, that, you know, we see clinicians who will sacrifice or pay to do fellowships, to do different things, to learn clinical skills. I think to take that to the business level is such an opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I think if you can have that unfettered access to the back room to really see the things that are happening, really to see, to see the decisions that are making, not what we see on Instagram or Facebook. Now I think you're gaining real value. And I think you could do that instead of an MBA 
do it in a fraction Absolutely. of the time for a fraction Absolutely. of the cost. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, let's you check out one other one. Yeah, absolutely. Why, why don't we do this? Do you have something handy? I don't, but if you go into there and um, you can play around with the filter. And, and I just did a search for, you know, any location. But if there's another one in New York, that works too. With physical therapy, health and wellness. You can just hit enter, I think, and then get rid of the New York City. There we go. Limit. There we go. All right, so go to more filters. Go to more filters. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Perfect. And just type in therapy. physical therapy. Apply. That's a weird word on the button there. Apply. Okay. You know, Apply. another thing Apply that filter. nobody's really discussing. What if you went and searched for occupational therapy and then added physical therapy? You know, like if you had that as your back pocket because you are the physical therapist. I do think it's easier for a discipline specific person to attract other same discipline. If I bought an occupational therapy business and then brought in PT, I think there's a huge opportunity. Go ahead, check it out. This one here. So this one includes the real estate. Trinidad, Colorado fitness facility and physical therapy clinic asking price 529,000. And pretty much no, no other financials listed. So real estate, 575000 It'll be tough to dig through this a little bit. Equipment, looking furniture, at this and real quick, numbers are negotiable. Looking at this real quick. So they have 20 parking spaces. You know, my criteria, I just talked to a therapist who wants to lease a space in a shopping plaza. And I said, number one criteria for me is ample parking right in front of the front door. You know, like, do you have ample parking? Is it convenient? Do you have visibility from the street or does the client have to walk through a professional office to get to you? Many of the factors and variables that I'm looking at are really convenience-based. Can the person conveniently access the services? And look look at this highway, 85, exit right here to the main road here. Boom, right to North Commercial Street. And then you got the fitness center PT location right here which I think they mentioned, I saw somewhere. Yeah, a Hilton Convention Center is under construction at I Interstate 25 and exit 14, but it looks like it's right off that. It says 160 and then also 85. So maybe two merging highways. It said like downtown vitalization project going on. You know, this might be a great place for somebody who's looking at like a CrossFit gym, kind of grungy vibe you know, workout and PT center. Maybe you bring in stuff like coffee. Maybe you bring in other things that are going to supplement whatever is going on with this revitalization. We don't have any other listing statistics. Let's take a look at one that does have more information. Got it. It's bounced back out. Now this one you already did a video on, didn't you? I did. I looked at that. (laughs) So it's, and it's still up. So not a good sign. Uh, I think it's uh, fairly straightforward, guys. But if if something is listed that long on a broker website, it's usually not a good sign. All right. Let's take a look at that turnkey boutique fitness. So scroll up for me right there. There we go. Without franchise fees, Detroit, Michigan. Obviously, the city of Detroit. I don't live there. I haven't been there, but I've heard it's got its own issues. But even taking something like this. You know, and and this is the fun part. Like, this is the creative part of of doing these things. 
So the asking price is 275,000. The inventory is 15,000. Um, but when we're looking at this, like get two studios for the price of one. Are these addresses listed here? Yeah, it looks like that it. It looks like an address. Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily, um, I guess, right. they're not on purpose, right? You don't even have to contact the broker. You could drive by it. You could go check it out. Right, right. Two locations, one block apart, offering free fitness studios and a full locker. You know, like, again, I don't know that I would necessarily be looking at buying a physical therapy clinic. I might be looking at buying something like this. It's going to have lower price points. To me, that's a beautiful design. I mean, I love the idea. So what if somebody was, you know, a neuro-based therapist who loved the Rocksteady program, wanted to work with individuals who have Parkinson's, wanted to do a combination of one-on-one therapy services in addition to group therapy services. I've seen a bunch of, I think it's it's nine round or round nine boxing gyms and boxing gyms like this that have been going up for sale since the pandemic had started. This could be a business in and of its own. That's why it's being sold like this. Maybe the the revenue from this business helps offset some of the other expenses for operating. But you and I know the true intent here is to bring in physical therapy services. You know, and what that's do you a think? Genius, that's a genius. I never thought of it like that, but that's genius to actually buy something that would have for it has space. Uh, it has people potentially already coming to it that are health and wellness oriented that want to stay fit and healthy that if they have aches and pains, they would probably be, they'd be more likely to be inclined to address it as opposed to just like stop working out or just stop doing that activity. Certainly would be a lower price point. And then a physical therapist could then add the ancillary services. They could easily just add, you know, Medicare billing. They take your course. They, they learn about billing. They start seeing Medicare patients. They could charge, uh, they could do one-on-one physical therapy. They could charge out of pocket. They could get you know, in network contracts, depending on if the panels are open in that area, they could easily do uh, out of network billing. There's there's a ton of remote out of network billers uh, across the country. So to buy something like this, you're right. Never thought of it like that. Like I don't know if any physical therapists have done this, but to buy something outright at 275k, let's see, we got it's saying furniture, fixtures, and equipment, 450,000 inventory $15,000. I think that would be a little bit more realistic. So that'd be like the cost of like the equipment and, you know, whatever construction or or new refurbishments that they might have, you know, made there, other gym equipment, et cetera, you know, desks and, you know, chairs and things like that established in 2017. So fairly newer, you know, construction in terms of, um, I'm assuming the interior, if not, maybe the business was established in 2017 doesn't mean that the real estate like the actual building was built then but it does look nice in terms of this these screenshots here and then there's a there's a video here on youtube i see if i can like mute it as it goes let's see yeah it looks nice there is a company called osteo strong it's a newer company i i found out about them through you go ahead yeah and like that's another one of those things you know think about curves when curves was growing and just scaling like crazy and really, I mean, I, I think this model, at least in my mind, this model comes from what we see going on with gas stations. You know, have you heard, oh, you might know it, Bucky's. Have you heard of Bucky's? Of course, Texas only though, right? 
No, we were driving, we were driving to Ohio from South Carolina. There was a Bucky's on the way. Oh, I apologize. We walked into this place. It was a madhouse. They it was everything. a madhouse. It was a they, Sunday. They do, they, do rib, they do ribs and meats and everything. Exactly. And, and I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder. Like this place does millions of dollars in revenue daily or weekly. It's incredible. But the idea is, you know, you go back to the conventional gas station. You used to have the guy who would come out to the car and he'd clean your windshield and check your oil and fill your tank. Then we the, the industry went to all self-serve to the point where you just swipe a credit card and pull the handle and stick it in your car. Now we see it swing back, the pendulum going back to these specialty niche gas stations that have craft beers and wines and all of these different things. You know, and you take the physical therapy kind of model, we're we are kind of in that, you know, 1947 gas station model right now. I think as we see declining reimbursement and we see other changes in the profession, we're going to move to a self-service model, which I love self-service physical therapy. I would love, are you familiar with the model, We Rock the Spectrum? No, never heard of it. It's a franchise started by a mom who had a son who had autism. She wanted her son to receive more therapy services, but couldn't afford more therapy services. So she purchased... 10 or 11 of the main pieces of equipment, think like trapeze, think trampoline, stuff like that. Right, right. And created her own self-service occupational therapy, physical therapy franchise. No therapist on site, but if you have a child who's receiving therapy services, you can come and for $15 or $20, use the equipment in her facility. They sell memberships and they're scaling across the U.S., Um, so like, I think that's a huge opportunity, obviously, for what we do, especially me, outpatient orthopedic patients don't need one-on-one every day, but they would benefit from access and, you know, services that I could provide not directly related to physical therapy. But then with time, I think we, we come full circle back into maybe I have a boxing gym in my physical therapy space. Maybe I have other amenities, other things that my demographic, my tribe is seeking. And this gives me a relatively inexpensive, you know, feed over everybody else in the area. You guys do at Total Therapy Solutions, you have gym memberships out of pocket, correct? So what we do is we call it an access membership. It's not open to the public. Only people that have been physical therapy patients are able to do it. We've had price points as low as $30 a month, as high as $100 a month. I find that for me, it depends on the team I have on site. Some of my team do amazing with something like that. Other therapists, depends on the culture of the clinic. They, they don't like it. They can't handle it. They don't want random people coming into the clinic unless it's a physical therapy visit. So, you know, that's where I try to tailor the experience for my staff. But but you're the owner though, so <laughs> you would think that. And you know, if it was 1954, my dinner would be ready when I got home, and my pipe and my slippers, and I would be able to tell my employees what to do. But in 2022, I'm last in line to make a decision. My job is to make my team happy. Their job is to make their customers happy. Hmm. So do you also, you do some private pay stuff as well? Like if someone 
doesn't have insurance or if they get cut off or something as well or for like one that, that would be continued one on one PT though right we we do any of it so we have the the access pass for monthly access to the facility whether you're a current patient or a past patient we have the self-paced services for a single unit. Maybe you just want to come in and get your neck rubbed for 15 minutes. No problem. We have an hour session self-pay for somebody who either doesn't have insurance, is underinsured, or they want something supplemental to what they're already receiving somewhere else. And then, of course, we have all the traditional, normal third-party payer systems in place. So we try to tailor as best we can to the clientele and the demographic that we're serving. And going back to the the biz by sell, the second listing here, this boutique fitness. Do you guys do any fitness classes, maybe after hours, or you know, hosted by some other person that rents the space from you, or anything like that? We don't anymore. We used to offer like community yoga programs. We used to offer Pilates. We used to offer a multitude of services. And over the years, again, when I find somebody who's really good at doing something, and if they want to do it. Mikasa is Sukasa. I bring them in. I let them collect whatever they want. I don't even care to make a profit on it because it just brings life and vibrance into the clinic. But as of right now, and probably for three years, that hasn't been a primary focus of ours. So we haven't been doing it. But I think there are just so many opportunities. I shared a post the other day about pickleball for Parkinson's. Like everybody does parking, um, boxing for Parkinson's. But what about introducing pickleball for Parkinson's or some of the other sports that are becoming more popular these days that individuals want to play? You know, I even talked about like the whole idea, if I was a golfer who was a physical therapist, about creating a Parkinson's golfing threesome, you're the fourth, you take them out on the course. So many of them want to play, but they're not confident that they can negotiate the greens and the rough and driving the cart. So $250 a session, they pay the greens, you get on for free, plus they pay the fee for you and you take them out there, you know, like there are just so many things that people could be doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of opportunity. It is too much sometimes. So what do you think about uh, going back and forth on that? I think that was helpful probably for the audience. What do you think? I think that was great. I, I think it's it's beneficial to, again, get inside your brain to see what you think of, what stands out from importance to you, what stands out for importance to me. I think that's awesome. Yeah, we should do more of it if you're, you know, if you're available. Um, that was two there. And then I think you said that there's only five listed on Biz by Sell. So there's not like a lot of supply for us to like break down at the point, at this point. No, not at all. So of course there's other directories, there's other bulletin boards, other practices for sale, but truthfully, like, Anybody, if, if you're seriously thinking about going and buying a clinic, I am never going to go to a public directory. I'm never going to go to public listings. By the time it's there, it's done. There is no margin for, you know, profits and everything else. Like that's the worst of the worst, bottom of the barrel. If you want to buy a physical therapy clinic, go to some clinics, go start connecting. Like Dave, I'm sure you probably do this and have been in this. I know we get letters. We get letters from interested acquiring parties that, you know, come at us in different ways, but basically they want us to know, Hey, we want to sell. They want us to reach out to them. So it's, it's the same for real estate. If I want to buy a house, I'm probably not going to buy a house that's listed unless I have no other options. 
I'm going to go and find the house that I want. I'm going to reach out to the owner. I'm going to make some connections and figure out if I can buy that house. Right. Yeah. Well put. I think that's a perfect place to pause. Tony, thank you for your time. This was awesome. Awesome, Dave. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com. Or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.